The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapepe on SAFM. He's been a teacher. He is a teacher. Senior lecturer, Witz School of Governance. Dr. T.K. Buemflegas, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to The Viewpoint on SAFM. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I also would like to just acknowledge all the good teachers out there, my mother being one of them. Really now? Well, that makes two of us because my mother is also a teacher, as was my father, yeah. as was Budi, as was Sisi. So we do come from an environment where I suppose you and I couldn't really escape school. Say some more in relation to the importance of teachers, the importance of teachers in a country like South Africa, where perhaps it can be safely said our education outcomes do not quite match the investments made in education, if one looks at the amount of money the Department of Basic as well as higher education are well endowed with every single year, but we still find some basic issues in the enterprise of education in the country. Yes, I think uh, so I'll just maybe elaborate on the point you said earlier on. Look at the challenges that a lot of these teachers go through, and it really just speaks to the issue that. Like you said, it's not about finance. It's about really, the key question to ask is, is that the finance aligned with what the teachers are doing? You know, because my, my biggest gripe has always been, if you look at countries such as uh, Sweden, Norway, and even uh, Ch- certain provinces in China, they invest so much in teachers because they understand that you and I are just products of teaching. You know, I don't care who you are in South Africa, how successful you are. We all came from some form of school and education. And so from a lot point in time, you know, a lot of the good experiences some of us have had, and mentioned the fact that we can remember all the teachers that invested in us. So going forward, I think we really do need to, like you're saying, we need to really get to the nub of the green and answer the question, how is it that, you know, we are not able to really get this profession and these teachers say the, the respect they, they deserve and, and B, how do we really get them to actually believe in the system a lot? Because if you speak, I'm sure you, you have spoken to a mother, They'll tell you that a lot mm-hmm. of them are tired and just want to leave the system, and that's very worrying for us. So we really do need to be able to get back that, not so much the ethos of saying it was good back in the old days, but to say how do we move forward and really make this a profession where, look, if you're a matriculated student who's in the top 10, and you want to say, listen, rather than doing engineering and even economics, you know what, I actually want to be a teacher, because that's where we need to go to. And this also extends to our policemen, our nurses, that we need to get the best of the best into these professions, because once we, we get it right there, I think a lot of good mm-hmm. things are going to come to Wise words. Dr. T. Cable, we're senior lecturer at Ritz School of Governance. We are in the first segment of the week on The Viewpoint. It's called Hashtag The Weekend Wrap. Of course, it's an open line for those who don't know. And the stories we are discussing, we've already dealt with one, and we can always continue dealing with it, the importance of teachers in South Africa, in a South African economy, especially in a South Africa with the kinds of skills deficit related to the skills required. Let's talk and celebrate teachers and, when necessary, lament and only appropriately so. 0891-104-207 is the number to dial. Let's get chatting, please. The conversation, or the segment at least, has another 15 minutes to it, so there really isn't much. In fact, another 10 minutes. Let's talk about the SAA, Ethiopian Airlines deal. It's not a deal yet. It remains a proposal where the CEO of Ethiopian Airlines has offered to assist the, in his words, beleaguered South African company. 
Now, that is, first of all, some strong words to be used in relation to SAA, but I suppose that's as good a reality check as we need. The international market is quite alive to what is happening in South Africa. Ethiopian, Africa's biggest airline, open quote, Ethiopian is willing to provide planes, pilots, and maintenance services to beleaguered rival South African Airways as part of a joint venture with that country's government. Ethiopian Airlines Group Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Gebre Mariam. Strong words, but equally a reality check for the country. Your thoughts? I think it, I'll take it, maybe I'll send it to you, because it's, so we said, for so long we've had, you know, the new thing, listen, even from government itself, you know, FAA beleaguered the words they're using, but isn't it odd that an overseas entity would see value in something which, uh, the argument I've always made is, there's no problem with, with FAA ways. The issue is the management of it, because there's no way an entity such as Ethiopian Air, Airlines would want to get into bed with South African Airways unless there's so value in it. So I think the key issue we should be asking is how is it that, that Ethiopian Airways are saying this is actually a viable business and they want to get into, but here at home, our own government has really not been able to see the value and run this entity to the level it needs to be. Let's talk about that because the... This Minister for Higher Education, Dr. Bladen Zimande, I heard him on the radio, and this is just fitting in with what you have said, has often lamented the fact that there are those who want to see the collapse of SAA for private reasons, for privatization reasons, because they want to pick up at next to nothing the, the, the book, for instance, the routes that have already been established, and also the fleet. If SAA does go bust, it makes commercial sense for somebody with a bit of pocket. For instance, your Richard Branson, who had earlier intimated he might be interested in SAA. Now, would we be seeing, in this case, the kind of first move towards that from Ethiopian, perhaps, albeit in the guise of assistance? Uh, they would. I, I think what they'll probably do, and I'll, I'll just use a macro take in the same way that, that, that South African Airways has got a mango, they'll probably just put it as one of its fleets. Obviously, the route is what they want. The established route is what they want. So it'll probably just mm-hmm. be another entity under Ethiopian, Ethiopian Airways. But I think, as, as Dr. Benjamin says, the worry for me is that, you know, it's one thing for you to always say this thing. How is it that you're not able to convince your fellow comrades to actually see value and run this place? to run SA Airways properly, because I think we, we've gone past the level of bearing Politicians are always wise when things have happened. We, 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 that's not what we want. We want them to actually fix problems before they escalate to the level of losing a South African Airways. We are in conversation with Dr. T.K. Buwe, who is a senior lecturer at the Fitz School of Governance. I remind you, please, that the WhatsApp lines are up this week, or today, certainly, 891 well, that's the number to dial. The WhatsApp line is 104107 at the end, so drop us a voice note. Of course, please do call us. We have another five or so minutes left in this conversation. Ethiopian Airlines taking bold steps to assist us with their MRO. That's the maintenance, repair, and overhaul, as well as offering pilots. Imagine the skill of pilots. Could that not pose, if you like, a security threat I mean, surely those things, in as much as there is business involved here, there are some fundamental national sovereignty issues that have to be ticked off as boxes, of course, because we do know that Ethiopia is in the region of some terrorist activity and the country wouldn't want to be importing any of those. I'm not suggesting by a moment that Ethiopian Airlines does harbor these persons, but nonetheless, they come from a region where terrorism is high on their danger, on the agenda, and planes are very much vulnerable always in such an instance. Uh, I think it's just a, 
if we've seen it with, like you're saying, I think it's, it's correct to, uh, to really raise the issue of saying with the regional dynamics coming. But what you normally find in airlines, if you look at what happened to British Airways when it got privatized, it became a secondary issue. So over time, it ceases to be a major issue. Very well. Let's talk of the Moykloof Development Project launch, a classic case of PPP, 30 billion rands worth of a project. What do you make of this latest development as launched by the president yesterday? I think the idea is good, but for me, I would have liked to have seen such a project go, but, you know, somewhere closer to where a lot of people are living, you know, every isn't closer to townships because there's going to be a lot of development. No one can doubt because government is putting a lot of its own money there with the private sector. But for me, the question I always ask is what type of city are you building? Because for me, it's almost like you're reinforcing the old, the old system of saying, listen, the only way you, you tend to do well is if you move people, especially, let's be honest, black people to suburbs. So me, would have been, could we not have maybe moved it closer to, you know, where townships are, where development mm-hmm. is, where development is more mm-hmm. needed. Because when you look at, uh, a spatial planning, it's still very much an old model of saying everything that is good is either in, in the town, we don't we no longer have CBDs, it's just CBDs have just been deserted. So for me, it's, a, it's good, but I think the bigger question to ask is could we, not, could we not have done this differently? Well, that's the question that my guest this evening, Dr. T.K. Bowe, is asking. He's a senior lecturer at the Witz School of Governance. Before I go to you, Mike in Newlands, thanks for calling. I appreciate you always coming through. The WhatsApp rules, at least with the voice notes, are always simple. Under a minute, no noise in the background. Thanks to my colleague and mentor, Kathy Motlathana, saying, open quote, very good attempt on the Sepedi, close quote. Damn straight. Good evening, Mike in Newlands. Hi, good evening, good evening to the good doctor. My question is a simple one. Um, we, are we not going to learn our lesson, doctor, uh, in, in terms of run, a government trying to run a business that is not designed to run? Comair from day one made a profit until, of course, the Chinese virus came along. SA Airlink still makes a profit to this day because it's privately owned. SAA has lost, uh, I've lost the count, actually. I think it's a 30 billion, 40 billion, I don't know, who cares? And it's going to continue to lose money. At one stage, at what stage are we, as, uh, or perhaps it's you because you have way more influence than me, are going to actually chain themselves to the railings of Parliament and say, enough, we cannot spend money on an airline that the government is not designed to run. If you look at SAA, I think the world standard is something like about 120 to 130 uh, people per per plane. In in South Africa, it's 200 to 1. We've lost money since 20, or oh, I forget now what the, I mean, listen, I'm not going to bore you with the details. SAA is a failure. Why cannot it not simply run as a private airline with SAA on the name of the side of the planes, but no government interference? We can still be proud of our airline, but also know that our airline is going to contribute to the taxpayer and also not going to be a drain on the taxpayer. In fact, run properly, it'll actually bring in uh, revenue to our government. Thanks very much. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. Doc, your response? Well, well, thanks, Mike. I don't really have that much influence. I'll start there. Uh, the reason, like I said, I'm not really married to the idea of having a state on entity. I, I, whether it's privatized or not, that's not the issue. But for me, the bigger issue is there's actually different models of privatization. The one that actually seems to work well in airlines is you actually privatize the whole of management, which is to say government is seen as a, a very minority owner. By that, I mean they don't have a say in how management runs. That's one of the models that can be used. For me, the larger picture is always just that until... 
yes, you can privatize everything, but then the bigger question I think Mike is also asking is, surely there comes a point where we have to ask the question, what can government do well? Because if you cannot do well, and your, your obvious answer is always that it's privatized, it doesn't all go well for the rest of us as society, because government is so influential in what we do. And that for me is a bigger worry. I don't, I'm not married to any ideology. For me, it's the issue of saying, why can you not do things well? And it always goes back to the, the same issue I say, that it's, it's not the issue of whether it's private or public. It's the issue of who have you put there. And that, for me, is the issue that we really need to get to in South Africa. We need to rail against something. It's why is it that we always need to get the worst of the worst in other countries like Ethiopian Airlines, which is wholly publicly owned, is able to run? Surely you cannot tell me a country with the resources we have. There's no one in this country that can run an airline, but there's many people who can do it in Ethiopia. So for me, it's the human factor that's the problem for me, and the human factor is the form of leadership. Let's talk about the land question. Government is to release some land for the purposes, primarily one is told or led to believe for agricultural purposes. But this is, albeit too late in the day or somewhat very late in the day, and probably because of what is to happen next year in less than 12 months from now, local government elections. What do you, or what do you make of this move for government to make land available? State well, I think the issue is, yes, you make it available, but what follows there? Because we've seen sometimes where a lot of uh, where land has been given back to the community, which is given to, and surely there must be something attached to it. Because I think for too long, they've always said, listen, we want to give, we want to give. I think that, listen, farming in business is like any other business entity. There needs to be value chains attached to it. So it's not, for me, it's not good enough to say we're giving it. I want to know who are you giving it to? What are the deals that have been put in place and what's the support that's going to be put there? Because if you're simply going to give it to TK, who just, I'm just a kid from the township, I like farming. I want to eventually get to it. But I can't tell you which source to put it. I can't tell you which market that, that I have to get into. So the issues we have to follow up is say, okay, you've given it to you, but have these people been groomed to actually take this over? And what is the business model they're going to follow? Because if you're just not going to do that, you're setting up people for failure. The, the question of land is a little more fundamental than that, would you not say? It is fundamental, but I think if people, uh, I advise that people actually read what the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania said in the program of action in 1949 when they stood from the ANC. They actually captured it mm-hmm. as well. They understood that land is, yes, it's a spiritual thing. We cannot get away from that. But prime, the primacy of land is that it's a business. So for the longest time, I think we've always, people will, will, will go and correct about the spiritual element of land, but they don't want to get to the business side of it. And then we set people up for failure. So for me, it needs to be a two-pronged, two-pronged thing. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot simply say, I'm giving land to TK, but I'm not setting up TK to be successful with land. And until we get it right, we'll always have an issue where people, some of people, unfortunately, will say, well, you see what happens when you give these certain people land. They don't know how to look after it. And that's not where we want to get to. I know very well that if we have got black, well, let me be specific, African communities who know about indigenous knowledge for land, if we actually set them up for business, to teach them about the accounting practices that go into it, we'd be setting up for value to assist and to actually get, you know, contracts into Middle East so they can get the, their wares and, you know, the food and wares into it. That is success. Mm-hmm. If we're not doing that, we're simply setting up people for failure. 
I want to probe this issue a little bit more, but let me also give potentially a listener or two an opportunity to engage us. 891 Call us very quickly, please. It's the hashtag Weekend Wrap with Dr. TK Buwe, School of Governance, Senior Lecturer. I'm wrapping up this conversation on the underutilized land now to be made available by the government, I understand, to be sold. We're talking about almost 900 vacant or underutilized state-owned farms across the country. Here's why I'm actually probing this issue. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. In fact, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just unpacking the many dimensions to land. You said it's a spirit that the PAC reflected land to be. The land first and all else shall follow. In fact, that was their position on land. Why should it always be assumed that people wouldn't know what to do with the land or how land can best represent their aspirations for their upward mobility socioeconomically. I mean, I hear you mentioning all these corporate, if you like, attachments to land, and I don't take anything away from that. But land on its own to a person who understands the value of land, why would that person not be in a position to make one's own decisions as to what he or she believes is the best way to utilize that land? Even if for subsistence farming, or for rural subletting or subdivision of, 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 of the land itself without all these interventions that almost are presented as precursors to land ownership? No, I, I think I, I welcome the question, and I think the way it is correct to ask it in that way. And the reason I think maybe I pose it in this way is that even if you go back to the way ancestrally we used to look after land, it, it was it's never just your land. It, it's an issue that had to do with the community. And in the old ways, it was a bit more simple in the sense that it was, can it feed us in the community? So now we have to put a natural picture to it. It says it's about the republic. So my, my reason for hopping on about what I think what you say is a, is a corporate mm-hmm. look into it is, is because we need to say, yes, I can give you land. But the issue is that um, while it might spiritually fulfill you, what we really are looking for is for you to be, you might not be the biggest commercial farmer, but it's for you to be able to say, can we actually feed the community in and around you? But more importantly, can you make it a business? Now, I'm not saying every person who goes into land is going to go into the agri. Some people might go into agri-tourism, which is fine. But I think we, we need to think about it in a, in, a, in a bigger picture to say it's not just about simply giving it to the about saying we also need to get derive something from you as a, as a landowner in South Africa. And the best and the biggest well. way we can do it, understanding that, listen, unemployment is a case on our land at the moment, is to say, listen, we need to give it to you with a provider that we need you to really understand it as a business. Hence, I, I can hop on about it. Unless I'm actually saying, listen, even if it's just about small subsistence farming, then I'm fine with it. But for me, my understanding has always been from the PSC point of view that it also needs to follow a business model so that we can get the millions of our people out of poverty and out of, mm. out of unemployment. So that's okay, really the I way think... I look at it. But I do get your viewpoint. There's a broad consensus in terms of how the land question should be addressed. Unfortunately, there's never going to be enough time, certainly not in 25 minutes, to have a full-on discussion on land in South Africa, given the volatility of the topic, given that it is a very sensitive one, 500-year-old sensitive topic, if you might insist. For now, Dr. T. Capel, we thank you so much for your time, Senior Lecturer at the School of Governance. Thanks for having me.